Well, welcome today. It is great to have all of you joining us here online. Um, I just want to take a, a second as people are joining us. Go ahead, uh, welcome somebody in the online chat. Uh, hit the love button as much as you want to today. Uh, send somebody a text. Let them know you're thinking about them. Go ahead, start a watch party, and we are going to get in to today's message. So today is about the big idea. The big idea is this, Easter. The cross equals love. And all over the globe, people are gathering on this day with the really big idea that we have a Savior, we have a Lord who has changed everything for us. And out of him changing everything for us, Well, we're celebrating not just his death, but also his resurrection today. And so as we get into today's message, what I want to encourage you today is I want you to think about what it means to live from a place that he is risen. You know, we're in a time, I don't have to tell you, it is difficult. It is challenging, and you know the tension and the struggle that is so real in this moment. For some of you, uh, it's, it's the sense of anxiety. It's the sense of being overwhelmed. And for some of you, it's even at a point where it's a little bit difficult to celebrate your faith today. As much as you want to experience the joy of Easter, you also experience the worry and confusion and frustration and what do I do and how is this going to work out? Well, I believe as we get into God's word today, his word will guide us into some principles. We don't have all the solutions right here towards COVID-19. I just want to say that up front, but what we do have is we have assurance of who Jesus is in our lives and what he is going uh, to call us to do, who he calls us to be, and ultimately his promise for us. We believe here that the cross equals love, that Jesus gave everything for you so that you could experience everything in him. So let's pray together and then let's get into today's message. Well, God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the power of this present moment. I thank you that you have given us grace. I thank you that you open up to us with arms that are wide And you welcome us home when we turn to you. So today, God, I ask that you would turn our eyes towards you, that you would fill us with hope, that you would give us a new sense of love, a new sense of faith, great perspective as we look into what you have for us and become all that you have called us to be in the process. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever noticed in your life that the most difficult experience of a road trip is not the way there, but it's the way home. It's the period of time when it feels like you're going to be on this road forever. Now, I don't know about you, but, but for me, going there, that's a quick process. But when I was growing up, we would go on some of these long road trips. And on these long road trips, man, I just remember being in the back of the Plymouth Grand Voyager minivan. Ours was forest green. 
And as we went on these road trips, just thinking, man, when will we ever get to the other side? But there was not a greater moment in a road trip in the sense of longing to be on the other side than what I experienced. It wasn't in a car, but it was actually in a boat. I was on a boat in Australia. Oh man, that's an exciting thing to say on a boat in Australia going to the Great Barrier Reef, a trip of a lifetime. I'm with some of my best friends on the planet in college. I can't believe we're having this incredible opportunity. And let me tell you what what happens on this day. What happens is this. I go from uh, thinking about how amazing the Great Barrier Reef with all the flora and all the fauna, which is uh, academic speech I found out for um, the beautiful flowers of the ocean and the fish and all the other wildlife w- within it. Well, I go from focusing on what we're going to see to quickly being overwhelmed with how sick I've become. Have you ever been seasick? By that, I mean, like, have you ever been, I am going to lose, you know what I'm talking about. Motion sickness set in in the next three to four hours of that trip. It didn't feel like three to four hours. It felt like an eternity. And all I could really think about in the moment was this. I don't believe we're ever going to get to the other side. I don't believe we're actually going to get there. I felt so sick. All I could really think about were two things. One is, I wish I didn't feel sick. But the second thought really hit me. The second thought was this. You know, we have to come back. If we're going there, we have to come back. And the way home is always longer. And when we got back on the boat after looking at all these beautiful fish and everything else, man, I can't even tell you how sick I felt and became in the process. What I felt was stuck. Stuck is a position in life that none of us really want to be in. Stuck is a position where you feel a limitation of power, where your choices, where your opportunities, you actually feel imprisoned from what could be and what should be in your life. And I believe what we're at in this moment is a collective sense, not just you and me, but even a global shared sense of a lack of control, of feeling stuck, feeling like life is out of control. And what I would even say is in this moment, at this time, it would seem like God is giving us a moment to really take inventory. You know what I'm talking about if you're sitting at home feeling this struggle. You might be a kid who is used to being at school and now like the frustration of not being at school but being home all day and not being able to go do all the things you would normally do. Or you could be a parent who is now homeschooling and that wasn't part of your plan this year. And some of you, you wish that you could get a break from all the people who are with you. And others of you just wish that you could have a little bit of interaction with somebody. And yet in all of that, there's a shared lack of control. It's like, Well, I feel frustrated, I feel anxious, I feel worried, I feel confused. And then we could even go a sense 
deeper in this, if we went just a step closer, what we might actually observe is that there's a collective sense of grief. There's a collective sense of loss. Now, you may be in a moment where the grief could be, I'm not graduating like I was planning on graduating. Or maybe your grief is over losing a job. But what's beginning to happen in our nation and around the world over the past few months is we're, we're beginning to grieve the, some of the lost ones, some of the ones that we have loved and continue to love who we have lost in this life. COVID-19 strikes and suddenly where you had a plan for the future and where things were going, it's disrupted. And when things shift so quickly, you and I experience a challenge of what do we do? What do we do when we experience a lack of control? You know, the feeling of being out of control, I believe in this moment, could open our eyes to see some important things. Because you and I believe that we have a lot of control in life. And I believe right now God is actually showing us how little control we actually have. That we don't get to control when we were born and we don't get to control when we will die. We don't get to control variables along the way. You don't get to control, and some of you are very familiar with this right now, that you don't get to control the mood or the actions or the behaviors of the people around you. And for some of us who are really honest, we would even say, you know, I'm not that good at controlling myself. It's not just them. It's me. Like the problem is right here on the inside. And what we're going to see in the big picture is that COVID-19 was an experience and a challenge for us in a moment of history that truly shifted how things were in the world. But COVID-19 The coronavirus, in big comparison to this other thing we're out of control on, is very limited. This other thing that we're out of control on is sin. You see, you and I, if we're really being honest, we have a sin problem. Romans chapter 3 verse 23 says it like this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And you and I, when we say, for all have sinned, we have to spell that all with 17 L's. For all have sinned. That's all of us. And none of us is going to be looking too good on our own when we're standing before Jesus one day talking about all the good things that we've done in life. The second thing is this. The wages of sin is death. What we have earned in our sins is death, separation, death, disconnection from God. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. We have all sinned in that collective sin is death. Our personal sin is death to the relationship that we had with God. And we don't have a way to connect ourselves back to him. You and I are not good enough in life. We can't do enough good things. We can't work hard enough, be righteous enough, do all of these things, be selfless enough, love enough, give enough, share enough, that eventually God's going to say, now you're good enough. 
No, for you and I, in a relationship with a perfect God, well, he has an expectation of perfection. And when we couldn't fulfill it, he came down. Jesus himself came down to take on the punishment that you and I deserved. The punishment that was yours and mine that we were meant to bear. And he lived a perfect life. And he went to a cross to die for our sins. We have a savior who bridged a gap that was out of our control. A gap that we couldn't, you might be able to figure out how we're going to control some of the variables in life long-term. But what we don't have figured out on our own as humanity is how we bridge heaven and earth, how we get back to God. And yet Jesus shows up and that's the work that he does for us at the cross. That's the beautiful message of the cross. John three sixteen says this, for God so loved the world. And you know, I love to say it was not that God just loved. He so loved the world. You are so loved. You might not feel so loved right now. You might feel alone. You might feel abandoned. You might feel like you're all on your own in life, but God has set his affection and his attention towards you in a permanent gesture made at the cross where he made a one-time sacrifice for all humanity, for those who would trust in Jesus. You are so loved. And so today, as we look at this big idea from John three sixteen, and we'll go into a few passages in Romans as well. Well, I want to share with you that this verse in its fullness. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And let's go one step further. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God did not send his son into the world to condemn us, but to save us. So the big picture is this, God loved, God gave. And if we believe in Jesus, we receive eternal life from him. Well, let's look at a little bit of what that actually means for us. Like I said, we don't have, I don't come to you with the solution for COVID-19. I think you knew that when you tuned in today. But what I do have is I have promise and assurance from the scriptures that Jesus has shared with us that we can rest in, not just for eternity, but for this present moment. And the first one is this. The first one is this. God loves you. God loves you. If you're like me, then you're well aware of your shortcomings. If you're like me, then you're well aware of every struggle that you have. 
and you're well aware of the sin problem that you have. God loves you so much that he gave his son Jesus for you. His one and only son, perfect gift, perfect sacrifice. And it was for no other reason than this, that he loves you. I know a lot of times when we hear these kind of things, we start thinking about the people around us, but he did it for you. And if it would have just been you, he would have done it because he loves the people he created. God's heart is towards you. When God looks at you, there's a smile on his face. God is looking for relationship with his people. And God loves you with a furious love. It is a furious longing of heaven that would cause him to give up all of the comfort and all of the things that he enjoyed in heaven to come down to this earth and to give you eternal life. This is the grace of God. Your life may feel upside down right now like a lot of our lives feel. But you're not alone. You have a God who is with you. I love how Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8 verse 35 talks about this love of God. You know, he says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, as it is written, for your sake, whose sake? For your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. If you don't get anything else today, just know this, the cross equals love and you are so loved. Your life is directed by God. When you receive his love, you are receiving everything he has for you. You're receiving his purpose. You're receiving his grace. You're receiving his direction. You're receiving his Holy Spirit to guide you through life. For God so loved the world. You are so loved. I believe that this is one of the greatest challenges we will ever experience in life. Because if we really believe the love of God for our lives, it will not just change us, it will change everything that we do. It'll change our families, it'll change our communities, because when God gets a hold of us, with his love, everything changes. I know that there's probably a a list of things that you'd love to do for God. 
But what God wants first is he wants your heart. And the biggest distance is between our heads and our hearts. A lot of you have heard John 3, 16 so many times that it may have just washed over you and you didn't really experience it. I would just pray that God refreshes your love for him today to see that the cross equals love. The first thing that the cross says about you is that God loves you. The second thing is this, God is for you. God is for you. I, I want you to just, you know, look at what's happening here. I'm holding my Bible in the air, right? But why does my Bible not fall to the ground? Well, you'd say it's because my hand is under it. Exactly. And just as my hand is under this Bible and keeps it from falling to the ground, so God has placed his hand under your life And in his hand, you will not fall away from him. God is for you. Romans chapter 8 verse 31 so clearly says, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? I just want to know what things. When you say, Paul, uh, here in, in Romans 8 verse 31, What then shall we say in response to these things? What are the things that you're talking about? Well, he says in verse 18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. And then in verse 22, he says, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And then verse 28 In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Right now, God is working on your behalf. The Spirit is interceding. That was 26 and 27. Now, verse 28. And we know that in all things, how many things? All things. God is working. God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose What kind of confidence do you have when you know that the God who created everything is for you, even in your suffering? That he is coming so strongly to you in your time of need. It says in in Chronicles that God's eyes are searching throughout the world, looking for the people whose hearts are fully devoted to him. Looking for the person whose heart is turned towards him. and, And why? To show himself strong to them. That's why. That's why God is looking and seeking people whose hearts are turned to him. God is for you. And sometimes you may not feel like your heart is all the way towards God. Sometimes you may feel like you're distant from God. And in that space, man, I am so thankful that my walk with God at the end of the day is based on his faithfulness and his strength and his power because of what he is willing to do. God is for you. 
God is for you in your worst moment. For some of you, this is the anxiety that is setting in where you don't see what's happening in the future and you don't have a game plan now. God is for you. For some of you, it's the sense of loss. It was the plan that you had, the things you were going to do, and now those things, they're out of your control. God is for you. For some of you, it's the loss you're experiencing right now. I know what it's like to be in the space where you weren't planning to lose someone that you love. And suddenly you're dealing with the grief of that. And my heart goes out to you. But even more than what I can say is that God is still for you. And if our hope is only hope in this world, if our hope is only hope at this time, What a waste it all is. But because of the promise of heaven, because of Jesus' presence in our lives, hope abounds in your life. And where you wouldn't have hope to go forward with everything you're going through, knowing that God is still for you, knowing that God is not giving up on you, it gives you a confidence to continue forward in life. I just want to encourage you, believe this, remind yourself of this. God is for me today. And I love how in 2 Corinthians chapter four, Paul says, verse 17, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Now, this was a guy who endured being imprisoned many times, being beaten to the point of almost dying. This man went through so many different things, and what he says is, these are light and momentary troubles. We're going to get through this. And today we are one day closer to the other side of all of this. One day closer, we're pressing in, we're pressing forward with our eyes fixed on Jesus. The final thing that I want to share that the cross says to you is God will never give up on you. God loves you, God is for you, and God will never give up on you. You know, in Romans chapter 8, verse 38, once again, well, let's start in verse 37, because some of you need to hear this word today. Some of you are so hard on yourselves, you're so angry and mean towards yourselves, and sometimes to the people around you out of that, that you don't really believe what God says about you. But I want you to hear from his word how he talks about you. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I know you might feel conquered, but he says you're more than a conqueror. And then he says, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither COVID-19, the coronavirus, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. 
There is a security, a strength that comes into your life when you know that God will never give up on you. That he's not pushing you away. That what the cross says to us is that on your worst day, God still loves you. You want, probably like me, to impress God with how you praise, with how you work, with how you do things. But that's not where God showed up for us. It wasn't when we were perfect. It was when we were lost. It was when we lost everything, when we lost our way. And how many times do we do that even today where we lose all of, all of the focus and all of the love we had for him? And even then on your worst day, on your worst day, he still loves you. And the cross shows you this because what God did at the cross, you know, you have different companies have different logos. They have different brands and, and the brand says different things. But ultimately what it's about is, hey, if you have this, it'll make you happy. So if you have a Coke, this Coke is going to bring you happiness in life. If you go to the golden arches, think that the song was ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I'm loving it, right? The symbol that Christianity is known by, the symbol that Jesus is known by, is a cross. And that says something. It says something because the cross is the place of torment. The cross is the place of heartbreak. The cross is the place of sin. The cross is the place of shame. The cross is the place of torture. And yet Jesus went to that cross in the very thing that the world was running from at at that time, heaven ran to. And he flipped that cross upside down in a way where now it's not known for the torture. Now it's known for the forgiveness. Now it's known for the grace. Now it's known for the love, for the forgiveness that you experience when you embrace Jesus at the cross. That's where eternal life happens is when we go to the cross because the cross, none of us show up there with anything on our own to prove. Instead, the ground is awfully level at the foot of the cross. And when we get there and we see what Jesus has done for us, we get down on our knees and we just say, thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving it all for us. Thank you for sacrificing us. Luke 15 tells you this. Because some of you still feel like you're not good enough for God. And what I love about Luke 15 is that for the people who messed their lives up, who wrecked their lives, this, this young guy, he went and squandered everything. He lost everything that his father had given him. He got his inheritance early. He went and he spent it on prostitutes, spent it on a bunch of other stuff, wild living. And what happens is this guy is living, feeding pigs, And basically living with the pigs. And while he's there, he has this thought. You know, I could go back home and I could say to my father, I'd like to be one of your servants. And when he turned to go back home, and all he planned on was being a servant. But when he turned and started walking, his father saw him coming from a long way off 
and his father left the front porch of his home and took off sprinting to him because that, that young man had a question. Will my father receive me? It's not just will your father receive you. Your perfect father in heaven will run to you. You're not coming back as a servant. You're coming back as a son. That's what the father said. Bring the robe. Bring the ring. This son of mine. He was lost and he's found. He's come home. It's time to celebrate. And that's what God wants to do in your life today is he wants to celebrate you coming home. Imagine the confidence you could have even in this time by trusting in Jesus. Imagine the sense of purpose you can have by holding on to the promise of being so loved. Imagine What might actually happen in your life during this time where you commit to Jesus and as you commit to him, he's committed to you. And in a situation that would be devastating, you're getting better. You're becoming more like him. Your life is changing for the good. He's using you for his purposes. What might be possible in your family? Like what if, what if, You giving your life to Jesus. Can you imagine this? What if you giving your life to Jesus, what if it changed everything? What if it wasn't just something that you were measuring in business and all the other stuff? What if it actually changed what's going on inside of you? And all of the shame and sin and separation that you feel from God. That's the promise that we have in Christ. At the cross, he does that. You know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, it says, As God's co workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, In the time of my favor, I heard you, and in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. I was hanging out with my friend Rudy a few years ago, and as we were talking over tacos one day. I think we were having tacos. (laughs) I looked at him because I knew he was interested in Jesus and I knew he loved Jesus. But I asked him, what do you want to do with Jesus? Can I just ask you that question today? What do you want to do with Jesus? He said, I want to follow him. And I said, when do you want to make that decision? And he said, I don't know. Probably tomorrow. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2 says, I tell you, the time of God's favor, like this is the time of God's favor. This is the time that he hears. And he doesn't say tomorrow is the time of favor. He says it's today. You know, Joel, in the book of Joel, it says, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. And I know right now there are millions of people who are in the valley of decision, questioning whether or not they're going to make a decision to follow Jesus and to press in and to keep going forward, even in a difficult moment like this. And I wanna challenge you today, step over to the other side. Step into the grace, step into the forgiveness, step into the love, receive all that Jesus has for you. Make your decision today to trust him, to receive him, to be baptized into him, to give your full life to him. This is your moment. This is your time. The cross equals love for you. So what will you do with Jesus today?